going everybody I'm excited to share with you today y'all feeling good all right well when it comes to the throwdown you know I don't think it matters whether it's me against Eric or Ricky Eric's going down you know I mean Eric's in India right now you know what that means he's gonna be so jet lagged when he gets back he's not gonna be able to handle his young guns hey I don't know if y'all knew this but Eric is a huge Cowboys fan any Cowboys fans in the house all right, all right. Well, Eric's a Cowboys fan just like you. And when it comes to the throwdown, it's all going to depend on whether Eric shows up like the Cowboys QB or the Cowboys kicker. <laughs> too soon, too soon. No, but in all seriousness, this is going to be a lot of fun. Invite us, uh, join us, invite your friends. Last year, Ricky did a great job going up against Eric. And if it's me, I'm going to be honored. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's also going to take a lot of courage for me. And it's going to be a great challenge because Eric's a, a fierce competitor. Hey, speaking of courage, when was the last time you had to have courage? Now, maybe it wasn't a situation where you had to have the courage of, say, the character Maximus from the movie Gladiator. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. Or maybe you didn't have to have the courage of, say, William Wallace from the movie Braveheart. They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. But maybe you needed to have courage in more everyday situations. Now, I consider myself a fairly bold and, and courageous person. But if there's anything that gives me fear and that requires a lot of courage of me, it's this. Bugs. That's right. I don't like bugs, especially big ones. In fact, when God created the earth and created bugs, I believe he made a mistake. So if I'm at home hanging out in my living room, let's say, and I see a little critter crawl up the wall... Ooh, I take a deep breath. I have to gather myself. The moment's kind of like this for me whenever I see a roach. I have to do some stretching. I close my eyes. I know this is life or death. So I start to think about all my loved ones, all the things that I've yet to accomplish in this life. And then I'm like, it's go time. I'm ready. It's just me and you, dog. We ride together, we die together. And then all of a sudden, actually more like, ah. Give it up for Eminem. Sometimes you need some inspiration in ordinary and silly situations in life. But there are also moments and situations where you have to have real courage. 
Like, I'm talking real-life situations that are overwhelming and daunting. They may even seem insurmountable. No, I'm not talking about having the courage to go to the dentist. I'm not talking about having courage to make it through cedar fever season here in Austin. I'm not talking about the courage to throw away those trousers that you know have been in your closet for way too long. Like those Jinko jeans. It's so hard to say goodbye to my Jinko jeans. No, I'm talking about real life situations. Like maybe the courage to stand up for an injustice. Or the courage to end an unhealthy relationship. Or having the courage to leave a career where you've been so successful also that you can pursue another one that God has put on your heart. As we face challenges of our own individual life, there's an expectation that fear and evil will prevail. But this doesn't have to be the case because we can have courage. What is courage exactly? Well, one source defines courage as this. The ability to conjure up strength as we face fear, pain, or grief. How do we see courage play out in scripture? We've been in this series, Welcome to the Jungle, where we've been diving into the book of Daniel and taking a look at how God has been guiding his people who have been ousted from their homeland of Jerusalem. So far, we've learned this. King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge. That there's these four young men from Israel who have passed the test in chapter 1. Their names are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only do these young men pass the test, but they have found favor with both God and man. So much so that they became wise men to the king. And lastly, we discover that these four young men have yet to do anything that would go against their conscience. Now we find ourselves in chapter 2. Let's read it together. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. And then the astrologer said, never mind. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you were trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth 
who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. King Nebuchadnezzar was angry because his wise men could not tell him his dream and perform at the level that he expected. So, as any king would do, he issued a decree. And this decree was that all wise men would be killed. Well, who were among the wise men of that time? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Four young men that we know at this point were extremely loyal to God, yet to no fault of their own, they're now facing death. I wonder, have you ever been in a situation where you had to suffer certain consequences like you had done something wrong, but in reality you had done absolutely nothing wrong? Have you ever been in a situation that just seems so unfair and unjust? How did you respond? How did Daniel and his friends respond? Well, first, we see that they had to face reality. Daniel hears the news of the king's decree, and he returns home. By this time, the news has settled in, and Daniel goes to his friends and tells them what's going on. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel and his friends are in a dire situation, literally life or death. They didn't respond, though, by panicking. They didn't respond by going into utter dismay. They didn't even try to fix the situation on their own. No, Daniel and his friends responded by turning to God and presenting all of their fear and anxiety to him, the one who is all-powerful and for whom nothing is impossible. Verse 19 says, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. Many of you heard about the NFL player, DeMar Hamlin, who a few weeks ago suffered a cardiac arrest on the field. Players in the NFL and all sports get hurt all the time, but this was unprecedented because DeMar had to receive CPR right there on the field. An ambulance drove onto the field, transported him to a nearby hospital. He was in critical condition. Players and fans and people all across the nation began praying for DeMar, even pleading with others to pray for this young man. There was even a sports analyst on TV who prayed live on air for DeMar. It was incredible. A couple days later, DeMar started breathing on his own without a breathing machine. Not long after that, he was released from the hospital, and today he's doing so much better. 
Now, we know that not every prayer that we make for good health and recovery gets answered. But it is no doubt that prayer influenced and contributed to the miraculous recovery of this young man. Just like the pleas and the prayers of Daniel's and his friends led to this miraculous provision from God of Daniel receiving this vision. You see, the reality of our situations might lead to anxiety. They might warrant fear. But we can take that fear and anxiety and present it to God. We don't have to be consumed by anxiety and fear. And when we present our situations that we face to God, we can then expect God's intervention. Now, I'm not saying God is going to give us a vision while we're sleeping, although he certainly can. He may not intervene in the way or in the timing that we hope or we anticipate, but what I am saying is that when we're faced with a situation that leads to stress, anxiety, despair, we can turn to God, place our hope in him, knowing that God is sovereign, that he loves us, and that at the end of the day, he's going to work out everything for our good. When we face reality and turn to God, we can then expect God's intervention. And then we can walk in godly courage. Continuing on. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the Gentiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter or magician or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And Daniel tells the king exactly what he dreamed. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel, paid him honor, and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. The king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon. Talk about looking out for your boys, huh? Started from the bottom. While Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Now, it's easy to hear a story like this and tuck it away like it's some fairy tale, right? But here's what you need to know. Scripture reflects the very heart of the living God of this universe 
for all of his children. That means you. Scripture is not a collection of fables and feel-good stories. No, it's God's very heart for you and me. What are you facing right now where you need to allow reality to set in? When I was about 20 years old and in my undergrad, I transferred schools from my uh, college in my hometown in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to a college in New York City because my older brother was living and working in the city, but he was living up there alone, and, and I wanted to transfer school so that I could go live with my brother. Well, not long after I completed the transfer process, my brother ended up leaving his job and decided that he was going to move back home. I had a decision to make. Would I still move up to New York and just go by myself, or would I stay home? Well, after praying about it, God gave me faith and encouraged even that maybe he was leading me up there for a different reason. So I planned to go. I was all excited. I remember the day that my parents and I drove to the airport in New Orleans. We were in the airport. We hugged. We said goodbyes. I walked through the security, looked back, could see my parents waving me off. And then they left, and I walked forward towards my gate. And then, man, I'm telling you, Reality set in and hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized that I was on my own for the first time in my life. Not only that, that I was moving away to a place that was just a little bit different from where I grew up. I broke down right there in the middle of the airport, walked to my gate, and I prayed. And I was like, God, you got to take care of me. Knowing that I couldn't go on this journey on my own, well, God did. He was faithful to me, provided for me in so many ways, and that time in my life was such a rich time in my life that brought me closer to God. Again, where do you need to let reality set in? Maybe for you, it's a reality check about your finances. Maybe it's a reality check about your marriage. Maybe you're here, and you need a reality check about whether you really have a growing relationship with God. See, because the thing is, if we don't let reality to set in, that means that sometimes we can't experience God's intervention. Where are you needing godly intervention? Some of you know that I recently moved to a new home here in Austin, and looking for a home... um, Last year was a challenging process, to say the least. Well, when the home that I'm now living in became available, uh, I saw pictures of it online, and and I really liked it. And my mom did as well. My mom lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, my hometown. And uh, she decided to drive over here to Austin. Uh, There's a picture of me and my mom on the screen and my fluffy little dog. But uh, she drove over here so we can go check out the house. We didn't have keys, of course. But we saw, again, pictures of the house online, including the insides, and we really liked it. But we knew that there were others that were interested in this home as well. Nonetheless, we drove to the house, viewed it from the outside, walked around its perimeter, and finally to the back of the house where its garage was. When my mom and I were standing by the garage of this house, suddenly, out of the blue, she said to me, John, I believe God has this house for you. 
I believe God saved this house for you. Let's make a prayer right now and ask that God will grant you this house. So right there in broad daylight, my mom and I closed our eyes and we prayed, asking that if it was God's will, that he would grant us this house, and he did. I've always admired and respected the faith of my mom and my dad, and in this moment, my mom had faith in specifically God's goodness, his love for me, and his power to grant me this home. What a way to live. I'm not saying that every request that we make of God will be granted to us. But what I'm trying to point out is that if we don't turn to God, we can never experience his miraculous provision and intervention. How about you? Where do you need to walk in godly courage? And there's a reason why I'm saying godly. Because this courage isn't something we muster up on our own strength. It comes from God. I know some of you might be like, well, I'm not in a situation like Daniel and his friends. It's life or death. I don't really know if there's an area of my life where I need to have courage right now. I can't think of anything. Well, maybe you're not facing life or death. But maybe you need to find the courage to forgive someone. Maybe you need to have the courage to ask someone for forgiveness. Maybe you've been coming to Gateway South here on Sundays for a while. But you need to have the courage to join a community group because you know that you can't grow deeper in your faith without others. Maybe it's the courage to get involved here and to serve Maybe you need the courage to see a therapist because of something that you need help with in your life or the courage to talk to that person in your life about faith. You see, we can display and walk in godly courage in all situations in life, not just life or death situations. And here is what we need to know. Having faith doesn't mean that we never have fear. Thank God. Or that you have such an incredible relationship with God that you somehow are above all the emotions and the mind games that plague everyday people. No, Daniel and his friends weren't superheroes. They didn't have superhuman abilities. Their names weren't Clark Kent. They didn't wear a cape. Some of you are like, John, are you wearing a cape? The back of that shirt goes down to your knees. <laughs> Took a lot of courage to wear this shirt, all right? But they didn't have x-ray vision. They didn't have a special shield. They didn't have a wand and the ability to cast magical spells. Any Hufflepuff in the house? Represent? No, they were people just like you and me. They weren't powerful in and of themselves, but they believed in someone who was. See, the truth is this. People who have faith, people who walk in courage... They face what you and I face. There's just a process that they go by that keeps them anchored to God. And after we acknowledge the reality of our situations, we can bring those situations before God. We can expect God's intervention. And then we can walk in God's 
courage. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What's the bottom line? What's the punchline? The moral of the story. God is with us at all times. No matter what situation we're in, no matter what situation you may be in right now, God is with you. And you can ask God for godly courage and then walk in that courage because we know he is right there in the thick of it with us. And we know that he will always be with us no matter what situation we face because of what he once did for us. You see, a long time ago, Jesus left heaven And he stepped into this earth, a place that was completely different from where he was coming from, and not in a good way, a place that was broken and filled with hate and sickness and disease. And when Jesus left his home and stepped into this earth, it's not like he received the hero's welcome. Everyone didn't roll out the red carpet for Jesus. No, Jesus, who was God himself and who created all of the world, when he stepped into the world, he was mocked. He was rejected. He was doubted, even by his own family. Eventually deserted by his closest friends. And eventually he was persecuted and humiliated to the point of death, giving up his life on a cross. Why? Why did he do that? Because of how much he loved you. And then miraculously, through Jesus' own power, he rose from the dead. And he did all of this. He went through these circumstances, going as far as death. Why? So that you could know how much he loved you, but so that you could also know that he will be with you no matter what situation you're in. He says, if I went this far as to give my life and to shed my blood for you, I will be with you wherever you are. I'm committed to you. We must fight against and dispel the lie that God is not present and believe that God is with us and have the courage to face whatever life throws at us. Knowing that courage isn't something we conjure up on our own strength, but it's something that God is so willing to give us. We're going to sing together in response to what God has for us, what he's done for us. Before that, I want to pray for you. But as I pray for you and as we sing this song, I want you to ask God this question. God, where in my life do I need to have godly courage? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you gave us an example of courage by stepping into this world, 
this world that was like a jungle. But you did it for us. And so that we could know that you will always be with us. For this reason, we can have courage. We can ask you for courage and you will give it to us. God, touch every heart in here. Give them courage where they're needed. If there's anyone in this room, Lord, who maybe doesn't know you but needs the courage to invite you into their life, I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this moment you would give that person courage. It's just between you and them. Just you and them. Give them courage, Lord, to invite you into their life by simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I want what you did to count for me. Forgive me for my sins. I invite you into my life. For we know that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.